This is Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. You are listening to The Carrera Podcast. Today, our guest is Jennifer Apple. She's a teacher and a coach at Enterprise Middle School in West Richland, Washington. She comes to us with 21 years of teaching experience with a passion to help and serve others. Jennifer has written blogs for the site Character Strong, Teach Better, and Award-Winning Culture. She has provided lessons for future and current teachers at Heritage University. Jennifer has done a lot, and so let's provide her with an opportunity to share all that she does. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for being with us today and for being willing to be on our podcast. Can you just start and tell us a little bit about why you became interested in teaching? Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is fun. Um, you know, I've, I've wanted to be a teacher since I can remember. Um, I think I was born wanting to be a teacher. I am a fourth generation educator. So um, my great grandfather was a teacher, a principal superintendent. I actually have the telegram um, that offered him his first principalship in the state of Washington. Um, And my father was a teacher and a principal. Um, My mom was a paraprofessional. Uh, My grandmother was a cook in the schools. Like we kind of have a little bit of everything in the school system. Uh, My brother is a principal. His wife is a teacher. My husband's a school counselor. Um, It's kind of just one of the, you're you're in education. Like I grew up (laughs) loving education, talking about education. Um, And so I think I've just, it just kind of came natural to me that I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, And I always just thought it would be really fun to help change kids and make them enjoy school you know that's really cool I love that that's a that's a fun story do you have that telegraph um framed and hung somewhere I I do I have it framed in my kind of office area I have it up hanging it's it's pretty cool and I actually have the letter that goes with it um that offered him the job and everything it's pretty cool it's pretty neat to have yeah oh I love that that's so cool now you're now you're coming to us from Washington State um what what part of Washington yeah, from? we're from, I'm from Eastern Washington. Um, we're kind of near like the Oregon border, kind of down. We're in wine country. Um, that's kind of what we're known for in the area that um, I live in right now. So it's a pretty nice area. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's different than Seattle because we're a desert. We're on the other side of the mountains. And so people always think of Washington, think of rain, yeah. but we're actually a desert. <laughs> so we're actually really warm in the summer. And right now it's usually snowing and cold. So we kind of actually have all the seasons. It's a little bit different than what people think of from Washington. And and you're um, and you're working at Enterprise Middle School. Yes, Enterprise Middle School in West Richland, Washington. We're a middle school, six eight school. We're about seven fifty eight hundred students. Okay, um, tell us about Enterprise. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a great school um, to work at. I've worked there since it opened. Um, it was a brand new middle school back in two thousand five. Um, and I started right when it opened. Um, I had been teaching at the school previous that we, all the staff kind of moved over to Enterprise. Um, and it's just a really great place to work. I, I love being there. We have a wonderful staff. We have amazing students. Um, we've won a lot of awards at our school. Um, so we're called kind of award-winning culture is what we've created. Um, and we, we've won a few awards through the state. We won the ASCD um, whole child award for the state of Washington. We won the global class act award, um, which is actually an international award, um, which was pretty cool. And then we were a finalist on the PBS film festival. So we kind of, there was like, 
you know, we did pretty well there for a few years winning all these awards. And so it's just, it's a fun place to work and the kids love being there and the staff loves being there. And we're just kind of a big family. We've been together for a long time. So it's a really cool place to be. So in, in 2005, when, is, when it first started, has this always been an award-winning school or did you build up to it? And, and if so, what jump-started everyone? Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say we've always been kind of a good school. You know, we were kind of like, yeah, I mean, we were a pretty good school. It wasn't anything great. Um, and then our area really started growing. And so when we opened in 2005, we had about 700 students. The building was built for about 800. And as the years went on, um, by about 2000, probably about 2012 or so, we were at 1,200 students. Wow. Um, and so we had a building built for 800 where we were fitting in 1,200 students. And so we were overfilling and we had some problems. Um, we were a pretty good school, but we kind of let things slide because it was like, well, we're pretty good. We don't need to work on ourselves. We don't need to improve. We don't need to do these things. And so it became a problem. Um, and we weren't a great school anymore. And we were having some issues at our school. And so um, a new middle school was being built, obviously, because we were so overloaded. Um, and we kind of got to a breaking point. And the, the year of the 12, the last year of the 1,200 students, I mean, they were so crammed into our school. Just getting between classes took them, it was supposed to take five minutes, and they were so packed together. It would take them 10 minutes just to get through the hallways. Mm -hmm. um, and you can obviously see that would cause fights and some other things happening because we didn't have a great culture. Um, and so it, it wasn't a great place right at that point. And so when the new middle school got built, our population went back down to about 800 and we said, we need to do something different. Um, and so we brought in a program called character strong and we kind of changed our culture. We said, we need to do something right now because we care about these kids. We want what's best for them. Um, our population did change a little bit when we opened the new school, um, and we just needed to make something happen. And so that's when that shift happened and we became an award-winning school. And we said, we need, to, we need to bring this culture to another level. And that's kind of when it happened. And that's when we kind of won those awards and really made a change for our kids. But the awards are the result of the work. So like- Absolutely. They, Absolutely. It takes so much work to, well, first of all, to put in for the awards, Absolutely, <laughs> but then yeah. second of all, like to do the work that is right. award worthy. So congratulations on all of that. I mean, it's clear how much work and effort you and your colleagues are putting in. So that's pretty cool. Can you tell us about some of the projects that you and your students have been doing to help contribute to winning those awards? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, one of the big things we brought in was we, we looked at an SEL curriculum because we know we needed that. We needed to teach the whole child. Um, we were focusing on academics a little too much and we weren't focusing on creating just great human beings. Um, and so character strong was one of the things that we brought in. Um, and we changed our schedule to have an advisory model. Um, and so every single week we teach an advisory class and it's all about character. That's all we're teaching our students is how to be good people. So we were teaching character consistently. The other thing we did is we put a leadership class at every single grade level. So six, seven, and eight, we had leadership students that were trained in this character education. Um, and I was the sixth grade, I'm sixth grade leadership teacher. 
And so I would do projects with my kids to teach them how to become servant leaders and how to serve our school. So one example I did was called the Wildcat Cafe. And it's kind of like when you're doing something good, you would get an award. So before you would use your, we use PBS rewards, like a reward system in our school. You can, any kind of um, cash system you have at your school. And we would give out hot cocoa. And so it was just something they would walk by in the hall and we'd have little cups of hot cocoa, no big deal. So I was like, you know, I, I think I need to take it to the next level. I need to teach my kids how to be servant leaders. So we made the Wildcat Cafe. So I took the idea of the hot cocoa and I made a cafe in my room. So I created, we created this cafe. So we had um, baristas and they were sitting at the hot cocoa stand and they were making the hot cocoa. We had hostesses at the door. And so they would um, greet the students and they would seat them. And we had our whole room set up like a cafe. So we had tablecloths and we had centerpieces and we had menus on the table and it looked like a cafe. We had signs that said free Wi-Fi and, you know, everything that a Starbucks would have, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had all these things. And so the hostess would greet you at the door and say, thank you for coming. We're glad you're at the Wildcat Cafe. How many people are in your party? And there was three kids. And so they'd go and say, is this seat okay for you? And they'd introduce them to the waiter or waitress. They would take their order. They would go back and get the hot cocoa or apple cider. And we had marshmallows and whipped cream to add oh, on to it, fine. you know. And they would go and get the drink and then they would serve the drink to the students and, and they really understood what it was like. It's taking that concept of it's just hot cocoa, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody does it. So now we're taking it to the next level is how can we serve others? Yep. And this affected the students doing it because they learned how to serve another person, right? Literally and figuratively, this is what it's like to serve others and all of those students observing it. They all wanted to be a part of this. And we had a line down the hallway. This was always before school, about 25 minutes. Hmm. We'd try to get about 120 kids in and out of there. And I always had a line of 100 kids waiting to get in because this was such a cool thing they were doing. All I was given (laughs) was given hot cocoa. I wasn't doing anything that exciting. But it was just that idea of how can they learn to be servant leaders in a fun, interactive way. Mm -hmm. And so that was one project we did. I mean, there was lots of them that we did. But that's one to give you an example of that's how we became a servant leader school, right? Mm -hmm. Now, can you... um, Now, okay, I'm I'm, I'm bringing out my geeky researcher side. Thinking back, can, can you... Remember kind of where your where your students were right before this actually started and then where they are now? Um, what 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 changed? Like, you know, if we if 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 we were if we were to put like a researcher spin on it, like what's their social emotional learning from from all this? So can you I'm not exactly sure I understand the question. Oh so like before we started this whole like character strong, all of that, is that what you mean? No, no, no. Right before okay. the, when you, right before the um, hot cocoa kind of store opened up. The right? Wildcat um, Cafe. Yes, okay. the Wildcat Cafe. Thank <laughs> you, Malia. <laughs> Got it. I'm here for you. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, so, so right before this, this cafe started, um, where, um, where, where, were your students with regards to their character? And then now where are they now, like after after the Wildcat Cafe opened? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for both the, the students um, involved in it, I think that um, I had taught them the idea of servant leadership. Like, this is the definition of it. This is what it means. And so they kind of had an idea of, well, you mean like I kind of like do something nice for somebody? They didn't totally understand it. And then they actually did it. They actually performed the tasks. They actually went through the motions of doing this whole thing. And we reflected on it afterwards in class when I had the students. And I was like, what happened here? What did you learn? And they said, I, I remember one of the students said this. And everybody else was like, oh, my gosh, that's what I wanted to say. But they were kind of afraid to say it. And they said, you know, I know this isn't supposed to be about me, which I thought was really cool that they remembered that. It's supposed to be about other people. And they said, I know it's supposed to be about the people that were coming to the cafe, but I got a lot out of this. And they said, you know, I learned so much from this that it really made me feel good. They're like, I know that it was supposed to be about the other people, but for me, it felt so good to serve someone else. You know, it felt good. I wasn't getting the hot cocoa. I was giving it to someone else, but that almost made me feel better. I felt better giving someone else the hot cocoa than receiving the hot cocoa for myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think their state of mind is they finally understood, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I give to someone else, it makes me feel so much better than when I receive something. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the mindset that kind of like changed for them. Does yeah. that make sense? Sure, yes. And now where did the funding come from? Did it come out of your your pocket like to buy all this cocoa or was it right and it's it's a school event um and what i did is um i ran the pbis part of our school and so i ran a shop i did these events i did a whole bunch of things um and i do basically one fundraiser at the beginning of the year that sponsors all of it um and i sell spirit wear so i sell um we have a logo wildcat nation logo and so i make a different design kind of every year and I sell hooded sweatshirts and t-shirts and um, sometimes jogger pants or socks or something. Um, and I sell it to the students so they can wear on Fridays for Wildcat Friday. Um, and it's just kind of fun um, outfits and stuff they can buy. And I sell it to the student body, the staff, the whoever wants to purchase it. And I usually make enough money to basically sponsor the whole year of all of these events. And I would have an event about once a month. And then plus I would run the shop. And so in the shop would be, you know, gum and candy and little toys and things like that. And I was able to make enough money that I could budget my money for the year and really pay for it that way. So it was a really easy fundraiser. There's not much work on my part. Uh Um, And I would just collect like who wants to buy purchase things. And I'd talk to my t-shirt guy and he'd make everything for me. So it was really easy to do. That's awesome because there, there could be teachers that are, that are listening that um, obviously since like a lot of us, a lot of us teachers may only get like $50 every single year right. for right. stuff. And so, so they would be interested in that, or at least to know that there's opportunities out there just, just for them to do right. something like that. If they take that initiative. Right. Right. Absolutely. And sometimes I got sponsors every once in a while for an event from like a coffee shop. Um, and they'd say, Hey, here's, you know, hundred bucks. And, you know, honestly to do the event, I mean, it maybe cost me a hundred dollars. It was not very expensive. You know, I'd go on Oriental Trading and get the little, the cups with the lids so it looked like I was at a real cafe and, you know, buy hot cocoa at Walmart or Target. I mean, it, it's pretty cheap. There wasn't, you know, some marshmallows. It's, it's not super expensive. When you look at, I, I mean, I really wasn't purchasing a lot of things. You can use the, 
the paper that you have on the rolls for your tablecloths. Like, you know, you don't have to buy anything expensive. We did that one time. Actually, that was really fun. We had um, the kids decided to put out that paper um, on the tables and then put crayons as the centerpieces. Oh. And so people could write, what? like draw on them and write little notes. And I have pictures of it because um, it was really cool. Um, at the end, it almost made me cry because when we went around and we were cleaning up, we were looking at the tables and all of these kids had written thank you notes. Oh, that's what they had decided to write on the tables and thanking my students and thanking me and, Aww. and just really feeling grateful to have this event, you know, and it, it was really cool to see. And, and that part was really fun. And that, you know, didn't cost any money, some crayons and some paper. Yeah. yeah. So I watched your character strong um, video that you shared with us. It's on YouTube. And yes. for those who um, didn't watch it or haven't watched it yet, I really loved the phrase, the kindness ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was adorable. Yeah. And so do you have any ways that some of the students are paying it forward and like, you know, using the kindness ninja to spread forth kindness? Yeah. And, and Character Strong is the program that um, that video was made from. Character Strong had that video made. And um, they have an amazing curriculum. It's, you know, you can go to their website, characterstrong.com, and check it out. It's really neat. Um, and one of the things they have is called Character Dares. Um, and their Character Dares is that's where the Kindness Ninja comes from. And basically, each week during advisory, the kids are given, it's kind of like a challenge. And so they're given a challenge to go out and do something kind for someone else. Um, and so you're, you're given this challenge to go out and um, maybe it's to, I remember one was to clean up the, when you're at the grocery store, if you see any carts in the parking lot, put oh. them back in the little cart holder. Yes. Um, and I remember telling my students that I went to the grocery store that week and you see it all the time. And my students and I were talking about it and they're like, Mrs. Apple, there are so many carts in the parking <laughs> lot. Like I had no idea. Mm. And it's one of those things that I think it just helps. It makes the kids conscious of what's happening around them. You know, we see these things all the time and you see a cart in the parking lot. It happens all the time. It's always left out and you don't always see it because it's just there. Mm -hmm. And so once you're made conscious of it, you go, oh my gosh, there's all of these carts around. Why do people just leave them? And then you start stacking them in for people. And then the next time you go to the store with your guardian or parent, and you think, oh, I'm just going to leave the cart. No, I'm not. I'm going to go put the cart back because that's someone else's job to go and do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it just really helps make the kids conscious of these are things happening that I need to do, right? This is something that I can take part in and I can help the world be a better place just by doing this, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Jen, that, that, that brings up a really good point because one of the things that I found with, with our with our edX club one of the things that they wanted to do was to collect coats right. um and and when 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 one student first first thought about it someone else saying well why why do we why do you want to right. collect coats and then then right. when they finally sent them to this you know to this one place they were like oh my gosh there's so many homeless people right and kind of like kind of like like that after after that moment then they realized we do have a homeless population. Right. So what what are we, or better yet, what aren't we doing, and what right. and what right. should we be doing? That's awesome. Um, one of the things that 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 our that our listeners can't see is 
your passion and, and we could, <laughs> and we could, and, and we could totally see it. Um, we can certainly hear it though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where did, where does this come from? Um, you know, because, and there's, and there's teachers that, as you know, that have this passion that want to do it. And then there's those that say, you know, that's good for Jen, you know, Jen's right. going to do it all, you know, let's right. give it to her. Um, where, where, where does this come from? You know, I, I think a passion, I mean, all of us got into education. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the super cheerleader person like I am, which by the way, I wasn't a cheerleader, but <laughs> I just come across that way. I, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, we all got into it for kids. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason we're in education is because we love kids. I mean, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm so passionate is because I want better for them. I want them to have a better life than I do. Right. I mean, that's what everybody wants. Anybody that's a parent knows that for their kids. I mean, you want what's better for them. So I'm so passionate about it because I want to create amazing human beings. I want them to be amazing people. Right. Um, Every year I read to my kids this book. It's called um, Diff and Do for Day by Dr. Seuss. Um, It's one of the last books that he wrote before he passed away. Um, And in the book, it talks about this diff and do for school. Um, And then it talks about Flobbertown and they're like, it's dreary and cold and dark and no one wants to go there. Right. And all of a sudden they have to take this big test. And I read it to my kids right before we have to take state testing and they have to take this big test and all the kids are nervous and we don't know what to do. And, And the teacher says, yeah, but you guys remember, I taught you how to think, Right. And I love that line and I mm-hmm. always read it to my kids and I talk to them about it and I say, it doesn't matter. Like we have these tests, we have all these things in life. I've taught you how to think. That's my job, right? So it's not just I'm teaching you ELA. I'm not just teaching you social studies. I'm teaching you how to think. And now I'm teaching you how to think on a global level. I'm teaching you how to think when you're outside of my classroom. So when you're at the store and someone drops something, you're going to pick it up for them and you're going to give it back to them because that's who you are. That's who you've become, right? I've taught you how to think about not just yourself. I taught you to think about everything, including other people. So I think as teachers, your passion should be, you know, a lot of people are passionate about math. They're passionate about language arts. They're passionate about everything. Also be passionate about who they become. You want them to be a good person that not just knows the curriculum, right? Yeah. And so I think taking that time out to teach them to think in all aspects, not just in your subject area. I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Thank you. So you got your students to also launch a podcast, which I think is pretty incredible. Um, So was that a student-led initiative or was it your idea? And how did that come about? Yeah, it was, you know, it was my crazy husband, Hans Apple. Um, it was actually kind of mostly his idea. Um, we went to this conference with our students, um, service conference here in Washington State. And it's basically um, for students to come together and listen to the greatest leaders kind of around. They bring in all these cool leaders. Um, and we're, we're listening to these, these people. There was, a, there was a woman there that had survived the Holocaust. And she was telling her story um, and she was 90 years old and she was sitting in a chair on the stage. She had a very light voice. Um, she kind of had some broken English and there was 5,000 students in this audience, middle schoolers and high schools. You could hear a pin drop from wow. this woman speaking. 
it was the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. And my husband turned to me and he said, we need to bring this to our students. How can we do this? And so that's how kind of the idea came about with the podcast. We'd brought a group of students and they were so enthralled with this. Um, and we thought, well, how can we bring this to our little small town um, where we don't have access to all of these things? And so that's where kind of the podcast came about. Um, and our students were super excited. They're like, oh, we get to talk to all of these cool people and, and learn from them. Um, and that's kind of where it started is we wanted to bring to our students um, on a technological level, yeah. <laughs> all of these people from around the world. So that's kind of where it started. So how's it going? Like, how long have you been running it? And besides winning awards, <laughs> yeah. is there a student buzz around it? You're doing it. Um, we're on our second season. Um, we're on about episode 50 at this point. Wow. Um, we've done quite a few. Um, we've interviewed some amazing people. Um, we had George Kuros on this year, Innovators Mindset. Um, we had Jimmy Costas, Culturizes is coming out soon. Um, we had, um, John Gordon, leadership expert. We started out, one of our very first interviews was James Hunter, who wrote The Servant, national bestseller. Um, that was pretty crazy. He wow. came on. I mean, we've had a little bit of everybody on the podcast. Um, we had Charles Tillman, famous uh, football player, Chicago Bear. <laughs> um, so we've kind of had a little bit of everybody. And I think the coolest part of the whole podcast is we have the kids, they answer, ask questions to their guests. And they go through it. And then at the end, after they've asked the questions, we have three students and they do a debrief after they, they've gotten off the phone with the guest and they do a debrief about what they think happened and, and their reflections on it. And that is the coolest part of the interview. Mm -hmm. And if anybody that's been on the podcast or that listens to it, they always say that's their favorite part. Um, and it's because I think sometimes we forget to ask the students. <laughs> you know, we ask experts, we ask other colleagues, we ask the other people for um, thoughts and reflections to learn from them. We don't always remember to ask our students, right? And so right. our students really reflect and they have some amazing things to say. And they can really um, synthesize the information and come up with ideas that I'm always shocked. Like I'm always, I know how amazing our kids are and I'm still shocked every time because they just come up with these great ideas and they're like, well, why, why do we have this? Why don't we do this? And, and what about this? And what do you guys think of this? And it's just really, that's, that's the part I really love about it is because I think they're learning so much and the students listening to it, they're learning so much from our students' reflections. You know, we, we mm -hmm. tend to learn better from our own peers and so the students that are listening to this are able to learn so much from their own peers, you know, and hear what their opinions are and go, oh, it's okay to think that way. It's okay to have those thoughts. So that, that's pretty cool aspect I like. So it's completely student run, like produced and edited and, and then also like the students who listen to it, it's just completely voluntary or is that part of an assignment in a class or how does no, that? No, it is not part of a class at all. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like a genius hour is what I would I think love of it, it as. Um, and so the students, this is, this is above and beyond what they already do. Um, and so we have students, we're, we're interviewing an author next week. And so they're reading her book, like just for fun, you know, oh they want to make sure so they have cool. all the information. And yeah. so they're reading her book before the podcast, hmm. you know, they're, they just are choosing yeah. to learn, which I think is really cool. I mean, it's not just student voice, but it's student choice. Mm -hmm. You know, they're choosing to do this. Um, and yeah, they, 
they help with the tech, they do um, the interview, they help write the questions. I mean, they're kind of involved in all aspects of it. And then, yeah, to listen to it, it's on, you know, Apple podcast. And so people around mm-hmm. the world, our own students listen to it. Some teachers play it in class. Some kids listen to it on their own, subscribe. It's kind of whatever they want to do. What's the name of the podcast? Uh, award-winning culture. Okay. Great. Yeah, and you can get it on all of them, Spotify, yeah, Google Play. Check it out. It's on all the, the major platforms, so you can get anywhere. Yeah. So how how has this everything that you're that you're doing, and then I, I think what's 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 really cool is how you're talking about student um, how they how they reflect. How has this informed your 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 own teaching? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, this is my 21st year teaching. The year before, the summer before my 20th year teaching, I decided, you know what? I need a reboot too. Um, after listening to the kids and all the things they did. And so I basically changed a lot of the way I taught. I wanted it to be more student-centered. Um, as you can tell, I kind of have a big personality. So I kind of like to talk. No. Um, and no, I know. It's amazing. Um, so I was like, I need the students to have more um, ownership of their own learning. They need to be more involved. Um, and so I moved all of the furniture out of my room, and I put in couches, and um, I put in high tables and stools and I just made it a cool, fun environment for the kids. And Mm -hmm. I went to flexible seating um, with not really just kind of, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And I'm starting my 20th year. I want something different. And I re-looked at my entire curriculum and basically rewrote all of it. Um, And I went to a different way of teaching because the students said, we want more choice. Mm. We want more voice in our learning. And I said, you're right. You're right. I I should change. I need to do that. And so I took their advice and I kind of changed a lot of the way I taught. Um, and it, it worked out really well. You know, my kids love it. That's so. incredibly brave of you to just, you know, put yourself out there and then to listen to the feedback your students gave you. Because, I mean, a lot of our natural response to that would be defensive and, and right. say, well, I have to teach you this and I have to teach you in this way. But really... If you're asking for their feedback, then you should be right. open to hearing it. And you really were open to hearing it. And let's be honest, you put in a ton of work to redo all of those things. Um, and it, sh- it shows that it's really paying off with for your students, but also for you. Like your passion is is just there. And I, I would imagine it was just reignited through reinventing all that stuff. Absolutely. And I, and I think we, I know that we, and as teachers, we tend to get defensive about a lot of things. You know, it's like, oh, that's my baby. This is what I want to do, yeah. you know. But I think they know more. I mean, I, I started an Instagram account, too, a couple years ago because the kids are like, we need information. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, how do I get it to you? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we use Instagram. They call it Insta. Are you going to put that in Insta? Okay. <laughs> so I was like, sure. So I started an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. And so my kids, I mean, they were telling me we have snow days around here. And they're like, well, all I do in the morning, Mrs. Apple, is I get up and look on my phone at Instagram because you always tell us what's happening. That's so great. That's how they get all their information. Yeah. And so it's like if, if I want to communicate with my kids, if I want my students to be receptive, if I want them to learn, I got I to gotta do what they want to do. Yeah. You know? And they're on Instagram. They're doing these things. So I need to get with the times and I need to get with their platforms and what they like to do, you know, yeah. because that's how they communicate. 
Yeah, and I like I to say, like, basically, I you're I using. Been in school in a long time, so. Yeah, you're using the tools of their language, right? right? Like, you're speaking right. their language, and their tools is, are the social media platforms, and so right. um, that's how you reach them. Because I I hate emails. Fred knows this. I've <laughs> told him like how much I hate emails. I just prefer quick right. little bursts of information, and I think right. kids are even even more averse to emails and long yeah. pieces of information than I am. So absolutely. Yeah. Now, yeah. And they don't, they don't go to a website. No, yeah. they're going to go to Instagram. Like yeah. they're like, no, we won't die. I was like, mm-hmm. you can go to the website. No, I'm going to go to Instagram. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, one of the really cool things that I'm gathering, Jen, and, and please don't, please don't, please don't take this as like a negative. <laughs> I don't know what content you, you teach. <laughs> and, and, no, that's that's awesome, right? You know, be, be, because because one of the things that that we often have as as teachers, especially in secondary ed, right. is I'm a social studies teacher. I'm a I'm a math teacher. Right. Um, you're doing all of all of these things while teaching what? Well, right. Currently, <laughs> in my job I'm in right now, I'm actually an instructional coach. So I'm actually kind of teaching everything. I'm teaching teachers right now. But for the past 20 years, um, I have been everything. So I was an ELA, social studies leadership teacher most recently. And then I also taught math um, in middle school. And I taught study skills. And I taught remedial. And I kind of have taught everything except science. I think that's the only subject I haven't really taught. I taught elementary. So that's probably why you don't really know what subject I teach because I've kind of taught it all. And so I think about my kids in terms of, all of those things, you yeah. know, awesome. I think in terms of all that, and my husband always says, he's like, you're an educator. Mm-hmm. Like he, he likes to use that term. It's not, you're a teacher of this or a teacher of that. You're an educator, yep. you know, and we educate the whole child in everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that's, that's one of the things that, um, as a, as a secondary ed teacher educator, mm-hmm. one of the things which I would, I would always tell all of my, um, all of my students, like, you know, if you, if you really want to teach, you really need to go down to elementary ed and right. watch some, watch some really good elementary ed teachers because they're teaching the entire child. Right. Um, and so if you want to teach, you need to watch them and then bring that back into your content area. Right. While, while you could do all of these other things that you're, that you're talking about, Jen. Okay. Um, we also know that you, that you do blogs. Can you, um, what are these blogs and what do you provide? Yeah. Um, my husband and I both kind of started blogging a few years ago, again, kind of, you know, it was around my 20th year. It was kind of like the 18, 19, you know, I was getting to that point where I was almost at 20 years and it was like, you know, I need to reflect more. I need to be like in tune with what I'm doing. And so I think the blogs really for me personally, um, it's a reflection on my experiences. You know, it's a reflection on all the things that have happened to me over the last 20 years. Um, and a lot of it is the things I've learned. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of things wrong. And I think it's my reflections on how did I become a better person? How did I become a better educator? You know, that's really what blogging is about, is kind of getting your, your feelings out and getting your ideas on paper so that other people can learn from your ideas. You know, we started this blog a few years ago and now my husband and I just signed a book deal. And so we're writing three books. So we have a contract to write three books. 
So he's writing the first one, I'm writing the second one, and then we're going to write one together. Congratulations. Um, That's so amazing. Became, um, thank you. Um, it became this thing of we need to get these ideas out on paper so that other people um, can bring them to their students. Because that's really what it's about is I want the best experience for kids. <laughs> you know, I want them to have fun. I want them to love education as much as I do. I love going to work. I love my job. And I want them to love coming to my class. I want them to leave my class going, I, I loved being in Mrs. Apple's class. That was the, that was the most fun, right? Mm -hmm. And I learned so much at the same time. And so I think the blog is just for other people to learn from us and to see like, this is how you create this environment. This is how you get the kids to this level. This is how you um, make it so that kids are the whole child, not just good at language arts or social studies. They, they are good people. So I think that's really why the blog started. That's awesome. And, you know, I think a lot of teachers have intentions to blog and to share their ideas with others. And then I think the biggest barrier to that is time. Yeah. So what is your practice to set aside time to dedicate to that project? Yeah, that's a good question because, it. Is, I mean, that really is time is a huge factor. Um, I'm a morning person, mm -hmm. so I like to wake up early in the morning. Um, I get up at 4 a.m. every day. Whoa. Um, and I, I'm <laughs> just one of those people that likes to get up early. Mm -hmm. um, and I usually work for a little while in the morning. Um, I take my dog for about an hour walk before mm -hmm. I go to work to kind of, like, um, clear my mind. And my husband and I, we we talk on the whole walk for an hour and we talk about education and we talk about school and, and we talk about ideas and I always have my phone and I take notes sometimes while we're walking on our hour with our dog. Um, and we do that, you know, at four 30 in the morning. And then, um, obviously I get ready to go to school and I try to budget time on the weekends or in the evening, a little bit of time. Um, and then I also try to take care of myself though, too. Mm -hmm. And I think blogging for me is a self care routine. Um, I do yoga, I walk, I exercise, I eat healthy, but I think blogging for me has become a self-care. Yeah. Um, it really is. It helps me reflect and it helps me, um, when I have a bad day, it helps me think about a good moment or it helps me think mm -hmm. about because it was a bad day, um, what is it that happened that I could do differently? Because the only person I can control in any situation is me. Yep. So by blogging, I think about myself and what are something I could do differently? Mm -hmm. Because if it was a bad day, maybe, maybe it's on me a little bit. Maybe there was something I did that I could change. Um, and I think that's why that it, it kind of is a self-care for me that I can reflect and really think about how can I make myself better? I'm asking my kids to be better people every day. I should be doing the same for myself. So I need to be asking myself, how can I be a better person? So I think that's how I make time is I kind of make it a priority, right? Yeah. That's great. I love that. So do you blog every day? No, I do not blog every okay. day. <laughs> I don't. Um, but I do... I write pretty close to every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do write something pretty close to every day. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the blogs come out, you know, we write a blog and it comes out every, every week or every couple weeks yeah. um, is when we kind of get those out. But yeah, I try to write and reflect about something. Um, and I'm a very um, verbal person, as you can tell. And so I, a lot of times go on a Google doc and turn on the voice me memo and I just start talking and mm -hmm. I kind of reflect to myself of my day. And that sometimes becomes a blog cool. is I talk it through 
And then that becomes a written piece later because I, I kind of reflect to myself because I like to sometimes verbally talk it out. That's a really great example of how you know your skill set, like your strengths right. and how you use the technology to support that. Um, are th- Do you share those tidbits with your students and encourage them to produce work in that way too? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I grew up, um, and I didn't know this when I was growing up, I always had struggles with reading and, and I didn't find out until I was in college that I had dyslexia. Hmm. Um, and so when my, my mind works a lot quicker yeah. than I can type. So my mind is going constantly. I have a photographic memory as well. <laughs> and so my mind is constantly trying like an overdrive is kind of mm-hmm. what I think of it as, um, and I tend to, I'm not the greatest speller. And so I tend to accidentally when I'm typing, I'll spell somewhere and then I have to, I feel like I have to go back and correct it. And so I like to talk into my computer because sometimes I can yeah. get out my ideas a lot better that way. Um, and then I can go back and really look at, okay, how can I make this into a paragraph? And I tell my students that all the time. I'm like, wor- do what works for you. You know, if this, if you're a verbal person, talk it out. You know, we have these amazing technologies. Let's use them. Yeah. Right. And then you can go back and learn. And I I have teachers say this all the time, but they need to learn to type. They need to learn to type. They need to learn to do this. They will, (laughs) because you still got to go back through and type in information and you've still got to edit. You've got to do all these things. But if you're a verbal person, it's okay to use the technology. It's okay to use those voice voice memos. It's okay to make the technology work for you. That's why it's there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people that have written entire books on cell phones. (laughs) <laughs> like they've typed in their book on their stuff. And I've, I've listened to authors and they've said that. I'm like, what are you talking? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But for them, it works. You know, they're typing with their thumbs, like yeah. they're writing everything down. And that's just, I mean, that's the world we're in that we have this technology. Let's use it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, you know, that, that reminds me when, when I was back in high school, when, when, when Latin was taken out yeah. and, and people right. were, people were up in arms. Up oh, yeah. we should be, you know, we should be teaching Latin and stuff. And, and now, right. Now people just go, what? You know, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so with so with everything that you're that you're doing, do do you partner with schools? Do you do, do you partner with other teachers? Um, do you do anything like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we have on our podcast, we've had a few, which is really fun. Um, the kids really like this. We've we've had a few students and their teacher or students and their principal on our podcast to interview them. Um, and so that's pretty fun for the kids to be able to interview. Like, it was so, we did one um, a few weeks back, about a month ago. And they're like, that was so fun to talk to another 13-year-old and hear what they're doing. You know, they thought it was like the coolest thing to talk to another person their age and, you know, their principal. <laughs> and it was just so fun to be able to connect that way. Um I do Skype and education. And so we did like, Love we just did tool. a tour of the intrepid museum in New York. And wow. so the kids got to take a tour like on Skype and the guy took us through the whole museum and got to see everything. Um, and so we connect that way, but then we also have schools reach out to us all the time of, Hey, we want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do have schools visit our school quite often. Um, and they come and look at our programs and see, and like pick our brains, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's the 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 secret sauce kind of thing? Um, and so we do have that a lot where we have people come and visit us and and ask us to come and speak. My husband now and we're in the Teach Better Speakers Network. Um, and so through them, we actually go out and do some speaking to different schools and things like that. And so then people can contact us through there and and we have schools ask us all the time, hey, you know, come and teach us about this award-winning culture and things like that. So it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Oh, that's cool. Wow. 
I love it. I just love everything that you shared with us. There's just so many things that I would love to share with my students. So I teach, you know, future student or future teachers. Um, and oh, I think awesome. that there's, I did that for a long time too. Yeah. yeah I just think that there's just so much that they can learn from you and what you've shared. And, um, if our listeners would like to reach out to you, what are your social media preference, um, tools for them to connect with you? Yeah. Um, the best way is Twitter. Um, I'm a big Twitter person. So it's Jennifer M Apple and Apple spelled funny, A P P E L. And it's all one word, all lowercase. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me or look at what we're doing. Um, and then we have Instagram award-winning culture. It's just at award-winning culture. Um, and then you can check out, we have a website, awardwinningculture.com. And we have a newsletter we send out every couple weeks. So if you want to keep updated on what we're doing and see blogs and um, podcasts and, you know, things like that, you can subscribe to our newsletter and that will kind of keep you updated on what we're doing as well. Awesome. That's great. Thanks so much. So we like to end our podcast with asking our guests, what is the one thing that you would say is your call to action for educators or for students? If they could take that one thing away from you, what would you say that is? I think my one thing is don't forget to have fun. You know, I think my, my call for action for you is, um, sometimes it's okay to not do the curriculum. (laughs) Sometimes it's okay to not worry about the test. Sometimes it's okay to just have fun. Yeah. Um, you know, this week I had students doing green screen weather reports for their science class. They're learning about weather Mm -hmm. and they put on costumes and they stood in front of the green screen and they were, you know, acting it out and they were telling them about the weather and they were using these green. I mean, it was fun. Yeah. Like, yes, there was content involved, but it was really fun. They mm-hmm. had a great time. They were laughing and, and it was, they were like, this is the coolest thing we've ever done. And I was like, <laughs> you know, that's how school should be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We should love going there every day. And I think that's, that's what I would take away is have fun. Yeah. You know, don't forget you were a middle schooler once or an elementary or high schooler. <laughs> it's okay to have fun. It's okay to love school. Awesome. I think that's a good parting word. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks for all your hard work with our, with your students and impacting the teachers around you and just positive vibes. I get that feeling of positive vibes from you. So really love that. So thanks so much, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun.